The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, happy Saturday, and welcome into Arrowhead Pride's best of the week. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, and this is the best of the Arrowhead Pride podcast network leading into Sunday night football, the Kansas City Chiefs heading to Las Vegas to take on the Raiders. We'll start with Out of Structure as Ron Kopp and Matt Stagner discuss the revamped Chiefs pass rush. We'll continue with my editor show, myself and John Dixon, providing our marinated takeaways from the Chiefs and the Packers. The Great British Chiefs show takes its first look at the Las Vegas Raiders around the 30-minute mark. We continue on with Show and BK. The Chiefs lost out on Odell Beckham Jr., but Show and BK tend to think that that might be a good thing. That's around the 40-minute mark. We'll finish up with Bill Williamson, who's the editor-in-chief of SilverAndBlackPride.com. We will preview this Chiefs and Raiders game coming at you on Sunday. That is around the 50-minute mark. But as we promised, let's talk about this Chiefs pass rush. It's out of structure on Arrowhead Pride's Best of the Week. And on the first third down of the of the entire game, uh, Jordan Love drops back, and and guess who's pressuring him and forcing an errant throw? It's Melvin Ingram coming off that left edge of the defense, the right tackle. They had Chris Jones and Melvin Ingram line up next to each other and force kind of that 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 disruption in the pocket. And he outsnapped actually Alex Okafor and Mike Dana. And so it kind of tells you that they they really they feel good about what they can do with Melvin Ingram and and feel good enough to play him over guys that have been here all year and you know, two years, uh, you know, uh, Okafor and Dana have been here, you know, multiple years. And so that kind of just shows you that they trust his pass rush presence a little more. And what it also does, which we saw this week was get Chris Jones back inside, which we've all, you've all been clamoring for. I should say, I've always kind of been one to say, I think the defensive end experience is worthwhile. And I think it may pay off towards the end of the year, but it, it looks like they've abandoned it completely guys. They, they moved Jones back inside for the vast majority of this game. Uh, he was playing defense tackle for for most of the snaps. I think there were probably a few situational snaps he still played on the edge. Um, but yeah, and 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 I think Ingram is the main reason. I think bringing in Ingram and feeling good about him makes them feel confident that they can just move Jones back inside and still have enough bodies on the outside to get it done. Yeah, I have, I have nothing to add there. That's been my take as well. That uh, I was I was trying to give them some time with this defensive end move for Jones. I thought there are some signs that it, that it could actually work out, but you know. Adding in Ingram, I think he's been a nice fit. And, you know, Jones back on the inside has looked like a monster once again. So uh, all's well that ends well with that. And as long as they continue where they're at, getting some pressure and the cornerback's playing well, this defense is uh, on the up. I got a little heat this week when I did the winners and losers post last night. I added Mahomes on the winners list. You know, there there's a reason for that. And it's not that Mahomes is, is back 100% or that he's – that he played a spectacular game this week. He certainly, the stat line was pretty much the worst of his career or, or nearly with his, if you're taking out the intercept, the games where he's had a lot of interceptions, um, only 166 yards passing, you know, is not, not an impressive stat line for Mahomes. But I thought I saw some signs from him this week that were encouraging. He's still off from an accuracy standpoint. I know we'll talk about that later in the pod. We got a ton of questions on this topic, but I like that he was taking some deep shots and not just some like kind of deep shots, but, but going for it, you know, and I, I appreciated that even though it didn't work out. Uh, and I also liked how he closed the game out in vintage Mahomes fashion, rolling out, 
chased by two defenders, firing at the last, very last second just a bullet to Tyreek Hill. And then you saw the emotion. You saw the passion. It was as if this whole season had been building on him. And finally, when they needed him to close out a game, he was able to do it. And you saw him fist pumping and just fired up. That is a Mahomes – that's a difference in Mahomes. That's something that's been missing a lot of this season. And so I was encouraged, even if the results the rest of the game weren't spectacular, he took care of the ball and took some big shots and closed the game out the way we're used to. Yeah, you just hit on it right there, I think, with the took care of the ball. Um, yes, he did have an interception that was pretty much dropped uh, right before first half or right before halftime, I should say. Uh, Kevin King had a chance to pick him off, but he took care of the ball. And and the other thing with your with the the deep shots he took, they weren't really forced. Uh, the plays were pretty much open. Now the act, the placement wasn't great, maybe on 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 both of those that I'm thinking of the McColl deep target and there's a Tyreek deep target later in the game. The placement, like you said, could have been a little better, but it's not like he was forcing those. Those plays were there. Those plays were, you know, within the 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 design of the play. He was making those throws and that was encouraging because yeah you I feel like you've seen those deep passes maybe you know uh, recently kind of been more forced than actually hey a guy is breaking open and I'm gonna hit him deep um so yeah just the just the thought of hitting him uh deep and kind of the thought of getting those plays going a little more against a tough defense this defense is a good defense they just played that was encouraging so I like your point small victories here baby steps uh well let's get to some of your questions we had one from at Nate Basher on Twitter if Aaron Rodgers had played this game would the Chiefs have lost by 20 or by 30? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, I got to imagine Rodgers is putting up at least 24 points. I, I kind of want to put that there. Uh, you know, that's kind of the number being conservative and being kind of optimistic about the Chiefs defense playing well. I, I, I have a hard time imagining the Chiefs were going to win with 13 points, so. I don't know about how much, but the Chiefs were definitely, in my opinion, were going to lose. If they played like they did yesterday, they were going to lose if Rodgers was the quarterback. Ifs and buts, though, man. I, I'm not taking anything for granted in this league. They got the win. Aaron Rodgers didn't play because of his own, frankly, stupidity. So uh, I'm perfectly okay with the outcome of this game, and I'm not worried about the what-ifs. We're looking ahead here. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about the defense, though, because I think there, that was a real positive, uh, as we talked about a little bit. Uh, starting with the edge positions and those pass rushers, uh, Cheek Boyardee G on Twitter. Uh, seems like Frank Clark is making a comeback. How good does he have to be to earn a stay in Kansas City after this season? I love that we're now getting questions about uh, Frank Clark staying as opposed to how quick can we cut this guy. So uh, Frank Clark has been back to his normal self. He has been flying around the edge, moving so much better you can really tell that he's just feeling better than he has in a long time. And it shows on the field play after play after play. I thought he was really disruptive again this week. Uh, same with last week. This guy is uh, this guy might be back. This is the player that when the chiefs traded a first round pick for and signed him to an outrageous deal. This is why that was still an exciting move. Why I was excited about Holy cow. They're bringing in Frank Clark. This is Seattle Frank Clark, and that is a different player. We have not really seen Seattle Frank Clark in Kansas City. I think towards the end of the 2019 season, the Super Bowl run, you did see it a little bit. But I feel like even then, he was still succeeding more on effort than actual explosion and talent. I think now you're seeing the explosiveness that made him a really exciting player in Seattle. I mean, that's what always jumped off the film to me whenever I I go back or went back and watched uh, Frank Clark when that trade first happened was just how fast he's off the ball and how he can turn that explosiveness into power. And it is, it is happening right now. And it is exciting because for all the off-field things that, that Frank, you can, you, know, you can rightfully question about him, um, I think on the field he's a warrior. He's a guy that I've always respected that I really root for, honestly. I truly do. Um, you know, hey, I'm, I'm the first one to say that that contract is way too much for him but that's because it's one of the highest contracts in the entire NFL, regardless of position. I mean, you know, the guy, it's hard to play up to that. You know, you'd have to be having an Aaron Donald like impact to play up to the contract he has. And so that's beside the point at this point, right? It's about him producing and he is, and he's playing well right now. And it is really exciting because him playing well 
obviously allows the rest of the pass rushers to get, you know, to have better opportunities because they're going to pay more attention to Clark. And then you add in Ingram as well. Jones, Ingram, and Clark all playing together well, and it seems like that's kind of what is happening. I think Jones is almost the one that maybe isn't as 100% as the other two right now, and I think he's still coming back from that wrist injury. But the whole point is that Clark, Clark's performance increases the rest of the unit's performance, the turn of the pass rush, and that's why he's always been an X-factor to me and why I've always, I've always just kind of held out hope that we'd see that Seattle Frank again because when he is on, Man, he's a very fun player to watch and a very disruptive player, and we've seen that. And I am I'm getting juiced about the idea of Frank Clark as we get you know down the end the stretch of the season where we're going to really need the defense to step up more. Yeah, you know we were pumped about the defensive front coming into this season because we thought that there were some young up and coming players and your established guys that were going to get after it, and it it felt like a weakness earlier on in the season, um, and so when now you're starting to see it come together. You're starting to see what the Chiefs had envisioned all along. I thought Jaron Reed was pretty solid the last few weeks, although Derek Nottie was was borderline great this week. Um, and and all of a sudden now you've got multiple edge rushers and interior rusher in Chris Jones, and the role players are back to being role players where they're most effective. We had gotten pretty high on this idea that Mike Dana was going to be the next big thing, or somehow he was the best edge player that the Chiefs had whenever Frank Clark was either not healthy or not playing well and, and the defense was struggling. Mike Dana is a good player, but he's not healthy Frank Clark, and he's not Melvin Ingram. Um, Mike Dana is a good rotation or role player that's back in a role where he can help out uh, against the run. He can help out when uh, you know the, the plays break down and he's – He's deep into a rep and he's hustling and making a play. But now you're not depending on Mike Dana to be your starter. All of a sudden you've got legitimate starters on both edges and an elite pass rusher on the inside with Chris Jones. This defensive line, uh, dare I say, it's a strength again, and it's going to make all the difference. Yeah, because like I mentioned earlier, the Packers offensive line is no slouch or no slouches. I mean, I I know they, like I said, they weren't 100% healthy, but – this was a good performance from the pass rush. And you're right. Dana is that, is that high effort guy. He's, he's, he's a very high effort player, you know, high motor going to not stop. You know, he's playing to the echo of the whistle, all those cliches and that stuff comes to fruition. And it's why he has three sacks this year is because of the effort. But yeah, he's, he should, if you're, if he's your starting defensive end and he's the guy you're relying on to get pressure on the, the quarterback, that's not a good recipe for success. But if he's your fourth defensive end or yeah, you know, third or fourth defensive end, and he's coming in to kind of be fresh legs for the starters. That I, I really like that. So, yeah, all of a sudden, like you said, role players are, are, instead of being putting in the starting roles, they're actually role players now, and I think that's where they'll excel the best. It's been a couple days now. I much like it, or I should say, I like it much better when we have a couple days to think about it before we have to do our not-so-merited takeaways, like after Monday Night Football. That problem won't happen again. Actually, they can flex Monday Night Football. I forgot about that this year. Maybe it will happen again. Uh, but not anytime soon. So let's get into our marinated takeaways between the Chiefs and the Packers. John, let's start with you. Oh, I have to start? Okay. Well, this is one that occurred to me earlier while you were talking, and I wanted to make a point and didn't get it in because we got off on a little tangent there. This is not actually about the Chiefs, but uh, it's about one of the teams that they have to worry about in the AFC race this year, and that's the Tennessee Titans. I think it was really interesting that everyone immediately thought the Titans were going to have trouble when they lost Derrick Henry for the season. And I think that it, it, it illustrates a point that we need to remind ourselves about. If, you're a, if you have a great running back on your team, part of it is the offensive line. Part of it is the players supporting that running back. A lot of people would say most of it is it. Yeah, right, right. And 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 I would actually agree with that, that most of it is. So to suggest that the Titans were suddenly going to be terrible because they don't have Derrick Henry probably wasn't a good take. Um, they And they have shown that, that they have demonstrated that it wasn't just about Derrick Henry. And I'm not trying to run Derrick Henry down at all. Not at all. The guy is incredible. But it, it wasn't all about him. 
And so they haven't allowed that to mess with them. And they went and got a big win against, you know, a really good NFC team. So they deserve all the respect in the world. And I would just make another marinated take based on the Titans situation. We knew Mike Vrabel was a smart guy during the brief period he played at the Chiefs. And he's just showing that now, that he is a, a smart guy and a good coach. And when they're not facing Kansas City, I wish him all the success. I think it's a great point, and they also have a fantastic defense. Matt Stafford was sure. rolling heading into that game. Jeffrey Simmons, one of the better up-and-coming players in this league, he was able to have three sacks in the game. So you can tell that stemming from him, they can get pressure on the opposing quarterback. There were key interceptions in this game, including a, a key pick six. The Titans are a legit team, and we were wondering about them. And I, I think a lot of folks, and I think rightfully so, looked at their division with the Carson Wentz Colts, the Urban Meyer Jaguars, the complete mess that is the Houston Texans, and rode them off a little bit because they'd be playing less than par competition and kind of felt like they they would be this team that would just simply backdoor, in a sense, in, in, into the playoffs. And I think they're in prime position right now to be a team that that wakes up and says, why not us? We could win the rest right. of our games and get the AFC bye week. If you look at the rest of their games, it's the Saints. Their quarterback is Trevor Simeon. The Texans. New England has kind of turned it on. Then you have the Steelers. I still think that I like the Steelers better than I did at the beginning of the year, but I think the Titans can win that game. Then you have the 49ers, the Dolphins, and the Texans. The Tennessee Titans are 7-2. The AFC mm -hmm. bye is for the taking for them with that schedule. Yeah, they really should is. they should get it. So I think that's a great point by you. I want to talk about the uh, opening script a little bit more in my first marinated takeaway. I think the Chiefs are overthinking in-game a little bit, and this goes back to Andy Reid. I am not one of those people that's saying Andy Reid should be replaced, but I think it's apparent from the opening script that the idea, and, and for those who don't know, and let's just remind people quickly, the opening script is the Andy Reid specialty, and, and a lot of coaches do that. Do this, offensive coaches, offensive play callers, where they evaluate the matchup, and to open the game, they script literally in stone their first 15 plays, and they roll with that, and this gives them an edge because there really isn't a lot of thinking. They can get them to their quarterback. They can get them to an, their offensive staff. They can get their players visualizing, which is – been on the up and up uh, as we go along here in, in just the past few years. And Andy Reid is the best at this, uh, best offensive play caller in the league. Again, room room for, for improvement this year for sure, but historically this has been the key. So wh where does that, what does that mean? The Chiefs in their opening script ran the ball seven times, meaning the thought process on Thursday and Friday and Saturday was we're going to run the football. We're going to try to be balanced here. They ran four times the rest of the half. The offense scored a touchdown. They're only touching on the game with the opening script. So there's a thought process that's happening prior to the game that we want to be even keel. We want to be balanced. We want to have this balance of pass and run. And we have seen the offense looks the best this year when they're willing to commit to running the football. This seems to be something that that escapes them during the game. And I don't think you can even necessarily say, no, it's, it's like a game against the Tennessee Titans who we just talked about where they're down 14, nothing. And then all of a sudden the mentality changes. This has been something that we have seen in a game, which would be considered like a neutral game script against a Packers team who really doesn't have a ton to offer when it comes to quarterback play that, that you're playing. And you saw a little bit of them going against the, going away from the run after I think that eight minute 15 play opening drive and i just think there just needs to be a firmer commitment throughout the game and that'll alleviate some of the pressure that we talked about all episode with patrick mahomes well you know i think one of the problems here is the team's reliance on rpos on run pass option plays where yeah. mahomes is making the decision about whether the play is going to be a run or a pass in the moment the play is run it's it's not quite the same as a play-action pass. You know, in a play-action pass, it's going to tend to be a pass. RPO? Yeah, you know, in theory, it could go either way, or else it isn't very useful. 
And I think I've seen some fans making this point that if they went back to a more traditional kind of running game, mm-hmm. they might be more effective with it, and then uh, they and and they would have more control over it, because Mahomes, because of his nature, which we all know, is to go after the big play, uh, is tending towards the pass on these RPOs. So I think that's part of the trouble. It may be that they're calling those plays that they expect to be runs. And Patrick in the heat of the moment is going, no, I I see, I see my guy down there. I think I can hit him and go for it. So that's, I think part of the trouble, but I agree that, and I've been making this point myself uh, since pretty early on in the season, that it's not that the Chiefs are going to win games by running the ball down an opponent's throat. The reason they need to run the ball is to keep defenses honest. Mm-hmm. So they can't just, you know, do the the two high safety looks, which is one of the things that's been causing the Chiefs trouble. They have to be honest because the Chiefs are capable of running the ball. That has been the thing that's been missing from the Chiefs offense ever since Kareem Hunt left. And I think that they have an opportunity to get that back. With the offensive line that they have, especially on the interior. And that's why it's important, in my view. So I think you're making a great point here, Pete, that that they've got to figure out how to get that happening through the whole game, not just through the opening script where they're testing what the defense will do against certain looks. All right, John, continue on. What's your next marinated takeaway? Yeah, you know, I I got to thinking about it, uh, you know, because I mentioned a a stat that I know that you're aware of that – the Chiefs, uh, for only the second time since Andrew Reid became the head coach, had a game where the two teams combined for 20 or fewer points on Sunday. The last game was six years ago, I believe, in 2015, a 10-3 to uh, law, uh, victory over the uh, then San Diego Chargers um, with Alex Smith at quarterback. And, you know, you can't help... When you hear about something like that to think, oh, my God, have we returned to Alex Smith at quarterback uh, with a defense backing him up? Well, first of all, Patrick Mahomes is not Alex Smith. He's never going to be Alex Smith. What we're actually hoping for is that he'll become a little bit like Alex Smith and uh, and be a little more accepting of making those short throws that that move the sticks. We right. don't want him to be Alex Smith. The thing I like about it, you know, that part makes me nervous. That makes that part makes other fans nervous. But the thing to like about it is that in that time period, that was the time that Bob Sutton was still putting a good point scoring defense on the field. A team that it, a defense that was capable of holding down scores against their opponents. And so that's a good thing. That, you know, the defense was able to do that, not just against some bottom-dwelling team, but against a good team, okay? I mean, yeah, Aaron Rodgers wasn't there. I get that. But they didn't run all over the Chiefs. Devontae Adams didn't, you know, break the game wide open, even with the passes from a a first-time starting quarterback. And those things could have happened. We've seen those things happen against the Chiefs. So, I, you know, yes, it's it's a bad vibe to think about the Alex Smith-led Chiefs, but I like the fact that the defense is kind of getting back to to that to that mojo that they had under Sutton in those first few years with Andy Reid. Super hip of you to say vibe in 2021, John. You are <laughs> you're killing it. Uh, you would, I've got you the cer- I've got the overalls vibe. You you're certainly on. a groovy grandpa, as you like to describe. <laughs> no, I I I think you're correct. I I think there is a little bit of that swagger, and I I think in my next point that extends to Mahomes. I'm not one to think on one play everything is suddenly fixed, but Mahomes's reaction to that final play yeah. where he's able to convert on third down, and it looked like that vintage Mahomes play where it wasn't in structure, it was out of structure. He he got to his right, made a throw on the run, uh, as he likes to do, hits the guy in the chest, able to bring it down, and then just, it was, I don't even think it was a celebration like, we are good, it's just this, it it felt to me like a grand sigh of relief, I can still do this, kind of proving it to himself a little bit, and Mm -hmm. so you wonder about the confidence he could maybe draw from that, 
going into now, I, it, it not only is an opportunity in division, but the fact of the Sunday night football surround, you're playing Derek Carr on national TV. Everyone is doubting you. Everyone say, says the Chiefs stink. This is a narrative game. This is yeah, one what everybody's really going to be watching. Colin Cowherd, mm-hmm. who likes to pick on the Chiefs. Stephen A. Smith, who says they're done. The Skip Baylesses of the world. Pat McAfee, the pardon my take guys. Everyone who thinks that the Chiefs are suddenly the fall-off team. You could readjust everybody's expectations yeah. on Sunday night, and you're sure coming could. off a vintage in three years, does vintage make even sense? It doesn't even make sense, but a vintage <laughs> Mahomes play. Yeah. So let's yeah. see how he builds off that. All right. So, John, do you have any more marinated takeaways? Because I have one, but it, it bleeds into best Chiefs thing. Uh, let's see. Uh, now I've 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 lost track of it. Uh, what? Oh, oh, oh! I remember now. Okay. Uh, the Chiefs have taken a lot of heat uh, for trading away a draft pick to get Melvin Ingram uh, mm-hmm. when they could well, have... Now they can't get the next Trey Smith, John. Right, right, exactly. When they could have uh, signed him uh, during the offseason. And I think the Chiefs handled this perfectly. Right. You know, we know now what Melvin Ingram wanted to about come the to Benjamins. Kansas City. Yeah, a lot, <laughs> right. He wanted a lot of Benjamins. About right. uh, $4 million, which the Chiefs didn't have. There should be a president and, for a $1,000 bill, because then it would be easier. There should to, be. Yeah, yeah, there should be. Uh, and, um, uh, well, actually, I think there is, but I don't know which president it is. Cause I've, There's a $1,000 actually... bill? Yeah, there is a 1000 I think that's the largest denomination. that You're making that have. up. There is not a $1,000 no, no. bill. Oh, yeah, I think there is. I'll, okay, right, we'll continue on your Google point. Continue on your point. Yeah. yeah, continue on your point. I'll look this up. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, they they wanted to I think they wanted to sign him. I think they didn't want to depend on Chris Jones as the defensive end this year. They were willing to give him a shot to do it, to to, you know, play more often on the outside rather than the inside, because they thought that they would, you know, if they could get another guy like Melvin Engram in there or if Joshua Kando had worked out better, you know, that they, they wanted to have a lot of options there. That's the way Steve Spagnolo likes it. But Ingram wanted too much money, and so they couldn't make it happen. So they they say, sorry, you know, sorry, Melvin, love to have you, but we just can't pay, make that price. I don't see why it's a bad thing that they gave up a late-round draft pick and signed him for, what was it, $560,000 or something, and get the player that they wanted all along. I mean, yeah, it'd been nice to have had him over the first part of the season, but it just wasn't in the cards. So I, I just I'm just astonished by this, and and now, when it also gives them the option to do what they probably should have done a while ago and move yeah. Chris Jones back on the inside, what's not to like about this? What is not to I like? Know. And there's a counterpoint to the drafting too, because people are saying, oh, it's you know you can't get the next Trey Smith now, and I was joking about that. You could trade into this the sixth round by easily. Uh, the Chiefs, yeah. if you remember, to get Bo Pete Keys, who now plays for the Colts, traded back into the draft. You could do that on, on day three. Now for our, our our history lesson here. You're correct. I can't even believe this. The $1,000 <laughs> bill featured Alexander Hamilton. There was also a $5,000 bill that was initially issued to finance the Revolutionary War, and that had James Madison on it. There was a $10,000 bill with someone named yeah. Salmon P. Chase on it. There was even a $100,000 <laughs> bill that was never used for consumption publicly because that would have been insane and it had woodrow wilson on it so the correction here is it's all about the wilsons not the the benjamins when it comes to um melvin ingram the more you know i had no idea that yeah i knew that there had been denominations larger than a thousand before that That they had stopped using because they didn't you know, because now Could you imagine course, if these bills were out there, the amount of crime oh, I know. I know. And that's exist. why they don't use them anymore is because it would oh. be that much easier for for drug kingpin. No stuff. wonder the chiefs don't have paper tickets anymore. This is crazy. What are we doing? <laughs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we talked about the pass rush. You heard our marinated takeaways from the Chiefs and the Packers. Now we continue on and take our first look at the Raiders with the Great British Chiefs show. It's Arrowhead Pride's best of the week. But overall, Derek Carr's looked quite good. He's been massively efficient with the ball. And now we have to sit here and say, well, how is his Raiders team going to perform without Henry Ruggs? Because Henry Ruggs, before his problem and before what happened with him, was also playing quite well. And I, there's a lot of receiving yards they need to replace there in Henry Ruggs. Well, he had 469 receiving yards and a couple of touchdowns in the few games yeah. that he played. So like overall, like, this, this Raiders team are at a point in their season where you look and thinking, how are they going to now progress from, from this Henry Ruggs thing? Are they going to react how they did to John Gruden's firing and go on? Or are they going to fall apart? And I think a big indication of that will be what happens this Sunday against the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, Henry Ruggs was was definitely the kind of their answer to uh, the likes of uh, Tyreek Hill, wasn't he? He was their yeah. Tyreek Hill in a way. But the speed of the guy, we saw that in obviously the previous game last season. Uh, the speed of him just, just really kind of caused the Chiefs quite a few problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and to not have him on the team, I mean, I know they've gone and, and tried to, to, to cover that with, uh, it was Deshaun Jackson, wasn't it? Yeah, they've, yeah. Um, they've signed recently. Um, so, Clearly, the Raiders are trying to fill in those holes, but like you said, it's it's a lot of it is how the team is going to react to that because you know they've clearly been through the mill recently with with a lot of the news, especially the obviously the Henry Henry Ruggs uh, news, mm-hmm. um, and and that can obviously affect a team. And I know Derek Carr would mentioned that um, you know he's still very much got Henry Ruggs in his thoughts, yeah, um, and you know he feels that um, he needs quite a bit of love right now when, when, when a lot of people are clearly hating on the guy for what he did. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's clearly going to be running through the locker room, which is, uh, is something that you've got to kind of respect that in a way that, you know, mm-hmm. something like that, if that happened to obviously the, the, the chiefs team, you'd expect the likes of Patrick Mahomes or somebody like that to kind of, you know, feel that as well. Yeah. And and well, you can say the same about me and you, if like yeah. me and you are really good friends, we've been friends now for a, a number of years. If, if you've yeah. done something stupid, <laughs> and made a mistake. Yes, I would be angry at you for making that mistake. There's no doubt about it. Derek Carr would be angry at Henry Rux. And not mm-hmm. just because of the professional element of it, because they could, and by all accounts, been good friends. So yeah. but you don't you don't stop becoming friends with someone just because they done something stupid. And yes, yeah. Henry Ruggs made an awful mistake and and it is unforgive and it is unforgivable from mm. certainly the outsider point of view in terms of like drink driving. And I'm sure the, the, the woman's family will never, ever um, forgive Henry Ruggs for it. And rightly so. But on a friendship point of level, you, you always feel like you should still be there for your friends regardless because mm-hmm. you've been friends with him for a long time. So I respect Derek Carr on the way that he handled all the, the whole situation. I, I, I felt he spoke perfectly. But again, that is going to play into his mind when he gets onto the field, not because Henry Ruggs isn't the speed, isn't that no longer there in terms of the speedster, but because his head will be all over the shop. And so, as I said a minute ago, this is a really interesting part of the season for the Raiders. Now, how do they deal with so much adversity because they have dealt with so much in the, the three things that we've talked about so far in mm-hmm. terms of what you talked about with Deshaun Jackson, I thought it was interesting that they went out and got him, even though they knew that Odell Beckham was going to become available. Uh, yeah. like, the world and its auntie knew that Odell Beckham was going to become available, but they zeroed in on Deshaun Jackson. And I think there's a good reason why, like Henry Ruggs this year was averaging more 18.9 yards per reception. And Deshaun Jackson's career is 17.5 yards per reception. Like mm, you, almost like for like, isn't it? Yeah. You're, you are almost looking for that. Like for like, like against the giants, I watched a couple of, um, a few of the highlights and, 
a lot of what Carl was looking for was underneath into the intermediates, finding Hunter Renfro, finding Darren Waller. But what he was missing was that guy to stretch out the mm. defense. And maybe Deshaun Jackson is going to be that guy where he just comes in and they say to him, right, just run your, run your fly routes, run your go routes. And eventually we will try and find you. But for whatever reason, so far this season, when he was in LA, I don't know if it was the emergence of Cooper Cup that was the reason why Deshaun Jackson wasn't getting targets. He wasn't being targeted. Like, what, in six six games, he was targeted 15 times. Like, Mm -hmm. like, that's that's not a lot. You're talking, what, just over two yards, two yards a game, uh, two two targets a game. I can guarantee with Derek Carr at quarterback, he's going to get a few more than that. Yeah. there was a lot said in uh, preseason that uh, about the Raiders' offensive line because they had some big guys that they were either trading or cutting or releasing. Um, and and I, I'll admit, I'll hold my hands up. I was one of these guys that was going to you know, really getting they're really thin, they're really light on their, on yeah. their offensive offensive line. And uh, you know, it was like pray for Derek Carr type of scenario. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they've actually stood up quite well recently. Um, they, they, they look quite good. I mean, like you said, you know, you mentioned obviously Leatherwood was one of those that was, uh, you know, um, a lot of fans were kind of a bit to and fro on whether he's that, actually that good or not. Um, but they seem to be doing okay. They're doing they're doing the job that they're supposed to be doing. And Derek Carr's really having a good season. To be yeah, fair. he is. He is, and he's not the only uh, member of that um, Raiders team that's having a good season. Defensively, they're much better than we yeah. expect from them in the past, and I think that's probably why they're finding some success. Is because up front in on the defensive line, they are generating a lot of pressure, um, mm-hmm. especially in the likes of Max Crosby and Yannick Ngokwe. Like, yeah. I, I saw a stat earlier that I thought I need to keep that in mind to repeat on, on tonight's show, that both of them rank in the top 10 in terms of quarterback pressures, both Crosby mm-hmm. and Ngokwe. They are the only team in the NFL that has two players in, yeah. in the top 10. And then they've got other guys like role player guys like Carl Nassib who are also playing well. Like, the, the Chiefs offensive line on, on Sunday, they, they have their work cut out because everyone's talking about the tackles for the Chiefs and Orlando Brown, for, as well as he's playing in, in the run game, is maybe struggling a little bit in, in the pass game. And obviously on the other side, you've got now Lucas Niang out, Mike Remmers most likely out. Like who, who are the Chiefs going to play a right tackle on Sunday? And the, the Chiefs offense hasn't been great of late but they need to like game plan for getting that ball out quicker. So the likes of Crosby and the likes of Ngokwe can't get home. Yeah. They seem to be doing quite well on interceptions as well, by the looks of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they've, they've got, how many is it in total now? Well, I'll say about four. <laughs> They're not doing that particularly good, but. Did you um, read the wrong stat? <laughs> I read the wrong stat. I was thinking, blimey, 34, 34 nearest interceptions is brilliant. <laughs> Uh, no, that wasn't that. It was four. <laughs> <laughs> so I will take that back and I will just uh, ignore that I mentioned that. <laughs> and if it's still in the show. <laughs> still in the show. <laughs> but um, I mean, looking at their, their, I mean, their main linebacker as well at the minute, uh, Denzel Perryman seems to be uh, one of those that um, really is a, a tough tackler and seems to yeah. be snuffing out quite a lot of those, uh, the running players, which is, um, and again, with our, with the Chiefs running backs that we have at the moment, not really kind of being as effective. Um, you know, I, I kind of can, I'm, I'm kind of concerned by this running game with the likes of Perryman in that linebacker role. Yeah. Because um, as good as our O-line is, yeah, he just seems to find it, doesn't he? This Perryman guy. Um, I haven't watched too much on him, but he seems to be um, one of those players that's, that, that, that really is, I mean, he's, he's lights out. I mean, looking at his, um, Looking at his stats, he's lights out their best linebacker at the minute. Yeah, well, he's got 91 total tackles. In exactly. That's and the next one down from that 65. So that tells you exactly yeah, what you're dealing with. Exactly. And Corey Littleton, he's a good player as well. He he was very good when he was at the Rams. So they, they've got some yeah. they've got some guys on that defense. They can oh, certainly cause some trouble. And and unfortunately, it's a Gus Bradley defense as well. And um, yeah. we we all remember the Gus Bradley defenses of the Chargers. And the Chargers are the one team that Mahomes seems to struggle against the most. And mm-hmm. that particular defense of Gus Bradley, where it t- tends to be a cover free and. Um, maybe, maybe they sit in a cover three and then the Chiefs 
And he's going, oh, finally, we're not seeing cover two. Maybe, maybe that okay. <laughs> maybe Gus Bradley will be uncomfortable feeling like he has to play a cover two defense against the Chiefs because he really wants to play his cover three. I, 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 I don't know. But who do, who do you think plays right tackle this this week? Because we've seen that Carl Long has been taken off the pup list, but he hasn't actually been activated yet onto the active roster. Um, are you are you sitting there thinking Carl Long plays if he's fit, or is are we going to get? Andrew Wiley again. I don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, it clearly depends on whether you know Carl Long is is fit and raring to go. I mean, he hasn't played a snap in what twenty five months. I think I read somewhere. Mm. Um, and to to suddenly just throw him in in a game like this, especially against the Raiders, AFC mm. West division rival. I don't know. I think the Chiefs play it safe and go with Wiley on this one for now. Um, yeah, so do I. That scares me. It, yeah, <laughs> it, scares it scares me, me as well. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I mean, it, it, they might. I don't know. I mean, would you would you dare share snaps with, you know, swapping them out? I don't think they'll no. do that either. No I chance. think they'll just stick with one guy, stick with Wiley, and you know, and, and probably try and bring on uh, Kyle Long in the next game or something, ready for yeah. the next. You know, maybe get him in after the bye week or something like that. Maybe. It's. I mean, it's not a dire situation at the moment because obviously the likes of Remmers and and, and Niang, they've got a knock. Basically, um, apparently they sat out and practiced didn't they, uh, today, which um, you want them playing, but clearly it, it's not a season long term injury either no. from either of them, isn't it? So that that's 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 the plus side of things here. And I think if we can try and limp limp along with Wiley um, and have Kyle Long as that backup just in case something happens with Wiley, I think that's the way they go. I think. Maybe maybe Andrew Wiley bring his Pokemon cards with him. <laughs> That's stuck in your mind, that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. That's a, Andrew Wiley's just a legend in my head now, just for just for that. <laughs> Odell Beckham has made his decision. We heard leading up to it, it was three teams, according to everybody. It was two that made complete sense and one. That only makes sense because he was born there, and I feel like he had to, to keep them on the list so he could still go home. The Saints, because there's no way he was going to go play football with Trevor Seaman as the quarterback. And then you have I think you meant Pac- Simeon. I know what I said. Uh, the Packers with Aaron Rodgers and company to be the number two there, which maybe have been problematic for him. And then the Chiefs. And hell, everybody was wrong. It was actually the Rams who are who ain't playing games, by the way. Von Miller last week, Odell Beckham Jr. this week. So he goes to the Rams, and I think the big point is for most people, and I know I'm in this way, I don't know if you all are, I'm just glad that this thing is over. I'm glad that it didn't last through the Sunday where we started getting reports to thinking that that's what he was going to do. I'm glad that he's made a decision and we're not sitting here hanging on things and trying to figure out, oh, God, is he going to be added here? What should they do? Should they go and get him? I'm just glad it's over and we can move forward to the group that's going to be there if this team's going to get to where they want to get to. 100%. Glad it's over. Surprised by the destination that he chose. Um, It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me for him to go there to be potentially the third highest weapon like you look at that offense first of all they like to run the football that's that's a big piece of what they do I understand that if you're looking at some of the pass rate over expectation stuff they do it a lot but um, most of those targets are going to Cooper Cup right now and then you look at what the number two is it's Robert Woods Van Jefferson has a pretty significant role as their number three so it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that he would choose to go to LA but it's LA maybe that was a big part of this I'm glad it's over and I'm glad we can now focus on who the Chiefs have Because I feel like for the last six weeks, most of the Mm. conversation has been, okay, uh, yeah, it looks like McColl might not be the guy as the number two wide receiver. Who could we find that will be? So first it was, okay, you look around, Brandon Cooks, maybe he becomes available at the trade deadline. Nope, Texans decided they weren't trading him. By the way, I I have good authority that the Texans shot down a second round pick for Brandon Cooks. Don't understand what the hell they're thinking, but go ahead. So that was one option. Uh, I cannot believe that they turned down a second round pick. I didn't mean. I didn't mean. I didn't mean to put you in your ass real quick there. Don't don't ask me questions. Why? Don't ask me questions. Don't know why they did. But go ahead. Well, that's uh, that's a thing that you could do if you were a franchise. From the team the Chiefs are playing, I've heard they offered a second round pick, and they said no. 
that would have been a very good move for the Raiders, and it would have been a smart move for the Texans, alas. Uh, then you have Deshaun Jackson, who decides, you know what? I went out of L.A. I would like to go somewhere else. Okay, that would have made some sense for the Chiefs. He ends up going to the Raiders. Uh, you saw Josh Reynolds was made available. He went on waivers. He was claimed the first overall pick by the Detroit Lions. So, boom, that's not an option for you either. This was the last one. This was the last chance for the Chiefs to really go out there and get a proven wide receiver, and he chose to go elsewhere. There's no more wandering eye. Nope. Now everything is focused on the dudes they have in that locker room. McCole Hardman, got to step up. Byron Pringle, got to step up. Demarcus Robinson, one of those first two, got to step up. That's where we're at right now. Like yeah. it's It's got to be one of those first two guys. Yeah, I, I know, sir. Are you okay? Because I know Odell would have been your dream. That would have been your sports dream to have those three. Because I know I know you just want to see that type of offense um, coming together, Mahomes with all those weapons and Andy with that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, you okay? He's he would have been my like number one player that I would have wanted to see in this offense. Number two was Josh Gordon. That hasn't really worked out. Yeah. So, so, but and he's looked good in his uniform, though. I mean, nobody looks yeah, better in their uniform yeah, very than nineteen. Clean. Very clean, but I am with BK. Like, of I'm just happy it's over. I'm happy we can move on from this conversation because all of the reporting was all over the place, which was super annoying. And then it was kind of like the NFL media was just kind of held hostage by Odell for a couple of days where it was like, where is he going to go? Everybody's talking about it. Odell should come to this team. Odell should come to our team, whatever. And I'm just happy the conversation's over. Like it's done with. We don't got to worry about it anymore. Would have been fun if he came to Kansas City. He didn't. He went to the Rams out of nowhere, and it is what it is. They got to figure things out now with what they got, and I'm happy that they have to do that because now we can turn our focus towards, oh, this team's got a lot of issues they still got to work on. Hey, Rob, before we do that, though, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Why do they keep missing on these guys? Mm. What is the deal with this? Like, like, like. This is this was this is, that's an interesting thought because one of the factors of playing and having a quarterback and having potentially the best quarterback in the game when you've had Tom Brady, when you've had Peyton Manning when he was in his height, when you've had like one of the best quarterbacks, one of the things is is people want to come play with you. It's not hard to to get your in football, it doesn't matter where you are. It's not like generally like the NBA. Sometimes people want to go to certain cities. Like nobody wants to go to Utah. But when you're like in the NFL, like people will go to Green Bay to play with Andy, with with Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre. Like when you have the guy, it seems to it seems to be easier to get people to come play play with him. And people will even take pay cuts to come play with said guy. They have the guy in Patrick Mahomes. And they are missing on guys, and that's not being the the difference in things. And it, it, it's something that you got to look at. And I know this was Andy. This is an Andy closeout. Listen, I'm trying to give as much respect as I can to Brett Veach. This was not Brett Veach. Brett Veach, Melvin Ingram, ooh, yeah, tie up the loose ends. You show up to the face with Melvin Ingram. But when it's a big move like this, Odell, that's Andy closing, the, closing this up. That's Andy coming in as Bobby Bowden to finish this this uh, recruiting pitch off. And it didn't work. And it's not the first time. If, if I'm wrong, didn't they, didn't they lose out on Juju Smith-Schuster? Mm-hmm. They, they, they lost out there? Like, they've lost out. I mean, Deshaun Jackson, I don't even know if he thought about it. I don't know if they wanted it. Maybe they felt like him and Harmon were the same. But I don't, I, I don't know. Like, they've missed out on some guys. And to think it came down to – the Packers and the Rams, which is what was reported, were the final two he was struggling through. And there's been reports that, yeah, Andy was involved in this. And that is odd that receivers – like that part, That part's the part that really jumps out to me, that receivers are turning down playing with Pat Mahomes. Maybe it's because they see the – you know, Kelsey and Hill, they're already, and they don't think they're going to get enough balls there. But, I mean, Juju, maybe Juju's an idiot. I mean, Juju turned down Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes to go with, with Ben Roethlisberger, who is football dead. 
and, and it stayed there. So I don't know, but it is it is weird that when you have Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid that you're losing these battles. Did we just overestimate how much that would play into free agent decisions? Like, I, I do wonder sometimes, like, we're new to this, right? Like, let's be honest about how this all came together. Like, Chiefs fans as a collective, we've never been the team that had the quarterback. And so we just assumed, oh, when you no, get no. the quarterback, everybody else wants to come play with them, right? That would make sense, theoretically speaking. But then I kind of think about it. Who were the guys that took less to play with Peyton in, in Indy before he went to Denver? Because Denver was different. There were a few guys that came over there. But while he was in Indy, who were the guys that took less to play with him? Well, it was more defensive players because he had his skilled guys together. So, like, Booger McFarland came over there. He told me – I've talked to him before. Uh, he kicks my ass in Peloton on a daily basis. But I talked to him before, and he said, like, you know, being able to go there and play with Peyton and Tony Dungy was a big reason why he signed there. But, you know, he had his receivers, and he had Dallas Clark, and he had Marvin Harrison and, 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 and Reggie Wayne. So he kind of was set there. But, I mean, more on the defensive side of the ball that people come to try to, to to have a chance to play there. I would say the same was true in some respects, though, in, in New England. Like, they, they just – who were the guys that they signed that came there on the cheap that ended up being significant weapons for them? I There's just not a whole lot of dudes that immediately come to mind. I mean, they traded for Randy Moss, but in general, they, they didn't do a whole lot of that. Wes Welker, I, I guess they they – traded for and then yeah, but he, wasn't well, he wasn't what he was no they got him um and then you look at even like green bay they haven't done a whole lot of that and some of that is just a front office yeah, philosophy. green bay's an idiots though i mean sure like, but i mean these are the teams right that had the quarterbacks and they didn't do a whole lot of that the way that they acquired their weapons was through the draft they developed them and then they were able to retain them long term i, I think we're, the saying, less- we're saying it right now in tampa like Tom is Tom is just dragging guys that want to come down. Just there. AB though, play, I, and AB had already played with him, and Rob and. But those guys have played with him. I do think that's a little different. Like if I don't think this is going to happen, but if Tyreek left and then three years from now wasn't having the same success elsewhere, I could see Tyreek coming back to be reunited with Patrick Mahomes. I, I do think that's a little different. I just wonder if we overestimated how much pull having the guy actually has with receivers. I think they just want the money, man. They want the money, and some of them focus on geography more than others. Um, but the, but and, in these cases, aren't money, and maybe geography with with Odell to L.A. But Juju wasn't money. I think like, that might have oh, been a "Where's my stuff? <laughs> I don't want to move my stuff." And if I can make it work I mean, here, but I'm you, with would, you you would think you would think Patrick Mahomes and that ability would 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 pay out. I don't know. I I still believe having the quarterback should help you and I don't, I don't understand it i i think it's a weird thing that they're losing these battles and it's not coming down and some of these aren't coming down to money why has the team and, and Derek carr struggled to get him a little bit more involved lately this seemed to always be a player over the years who has been a key to the offense but a little bit less in this year what, what do you think's been the issue well they you know they went to him a ton of times in week one against uh, baltimore and it, it, since then, it's been a little tighter. And, you know, he's still productive. He still comes up with big plays. But, yeah, it hasn't been as much as they want to. Um, I think, you know, I think it's just like identity on the passing game. The Raiders have a really interesting passing game. And the before with rugs and after rugs is that they're more of an ensemble piece. You know, there's okay. no true number one. The Wallers are number one passing weapon but he's a tight end hunter renfro is a really good slot receiver but other than that they just it's just a mixed bag and it's worked well for them because it's really hard for defenses to figure out who they're going to especially as the game wears on especially as people get tired like brian edwards starting uh wide receiver he didn't have any catches against the giants i think he has 18 catches this year in eight games that's not very good right um, but he's come up really big in the fourth quarter and in overtime. So that's been kind of his time. But on the flip side, there's three quarters of eight games where he's not doing anything. Um, Ruggs, you, you know, a lot of people were excited about Ruggs because he, he wasn't good as a rookie. He came in, he's put some nice, he put some nice numbers up when he was playing. 
but it was nothing to validate the number 12 overall pick. He was a right. He was a uh, a luxury guy, a field stretcher who could really burn a team, an opponent, eight, nine times a year and really help the Raiders. But he wasn't a true number one. But they missed that. He was part of – they missed that I against were, the Giants. It was very glaring that, that he wasn't on the field. That's why they signed Deshaun J- Jackson. The right. Raiders agreed to terms with this guy one hour after they lost to the Giants. When was the last time you've seen a veteran sign <laughs> with a team before the team – everybody was showered after the last the, game? The interesting thing about Ruggs, is, and, and you probably remember, remember this, when he was drafted, a lot of people quickly turned to Kansas City and they were saying, well – Oakland slash Vegas finally got what is their uh, Tyree kill type Certainly. of guy that could take the top off. And and you're right. So now you get Deshaun Jackson in the mix and he seems like he's hungry. And, and so it quite directly is to fill that rugs role that they were missing against the giants to, in your estimation then. Correct? Yes. And it's not going to be as much because he's, he's not going to start like rugs started He's right. going to be when he's on the field, you know exactly what's going to happen. You know, he's 34 years old. He has eight. He had eight catches this year. But the thing is, he had 27.6 yards per catch. Mm. So he was still dangerous in a very limited role with the Rams. But I just look at and if and if he finishes, if he's a stud for the Raiders, I'll say hey, I didn't expect it. You know, like Darren Waller would p- sign on the practice squad. You're not having any expectations. And he became one of the greatest stories in the league the last couple of years. So anything's possible. But if you look at Jackson's recent history, 33 total catches since the t- start of 2019. Eight right. catches this year. Three, three weeks away from turning 35. So I don't know if the Raiders can expect miracles from him maybe now, it'll happen but what i what i find interesting from afar is it, it really looks like when renfro is on the field he is highly effective but his snap count doesn't really seem to correct me if i'm wrong here it stays within 60 to 70 percent do you think now w- where you lose rugs maybe you get renfro a little bit more involved in the offense that, that didn't change against the giants i, I think there's limitations there with him because he's slight and you know yeah. and, and he's in you know he's not going to be He's in a field, he's on the field in certain situations and he's come through. You know, the the whole thing is third and Renfro, and he yeah. is he's that guy on third down. He really is. Um and Renfro and Renfro and Waller is really where it begins for Derek Carr in the passing game. Okay. I, I want to switch to the defensive side. The pass rush has been really good this year, more yeah. than 20 sacks. What do you think has led to some of the success there? I just think it's the combination of Max Crosby really coming into his own, okay, and um, and and Nagoa Yannick Nagagwe, um, really, you know, the, the knock on him and the knock on him from inside the Raiders uh, building from who I saw him do a couple weeks from free agency is like, I don't know, if we should go after this guy because his motor's not always on, and are we going to pay him, you know? And that wasn't the person who told me that wasn't the main decision maker. But it's certainly a voice, and you know, um, his motor's been on all year, you know. And he and right. the thing that was really shrewd of the Raiders when they signed him, and this is a guy on his you know fourth team in less than two years, yeah. that's a, that's kind of a warning sign is that they gave him a two year deal, 13 million, 26 and a half, I think it was, for two years, nice solid money, but they're also allowing him, him to go to free agency at 28. So they're still motivating him. He has to keep his motor on. And you really, I haven't seen, this is the first year I'm closely watching it. I haven't seen a guy who looks un, uninterested. He looks totally all in on the Raiders mm-hmm. and it's helping. And I think a really interesting thing about Max Crosby, I think I saw a stat wow. last year where he played almost every snap more than almost any defensive end and it wore on him. You know, it really wore on him. He had two major surgeries, one on his shoulder, I think one on the leg right after the year. And he just wasn't that effective at the end of last year. But this year, uh, Gus Bradley, the, the defensive coordinator, he's starting to limit his uh, his snaps. And he's on the field for like 70%. And that's been the way for the last five games or so. And early he was 90 plus. Wow. But, so, but, he, but his um, – 
his production is not waning at all. He's almost making an impact almost every play he's on the field. And, uh, it, it, you know, Carl Nassib is having a nice season as a rotational guy. And that helps. Cleo and Farrell, not, not doing much, but they're still deeper than they were. And I think it's the combination of Max being fresh and Yannick being motivated. And they're really one of the best pat, consistent pass rushing teams in the league. And that, and that's a complete difference from last 